What is going on, OWS fam? Welcome to the second DraftKings DFS Lab of Week 9. Strange Week 9 slate, 20 teams playing. Looks like we could have, we talked about this yesterday, but two days ago, looks like we could have eight backup quarterbacks playing. Uh, good offenses are facing good defenses. Bad offenses are facing bad defenses. So very unique slate, very fun slate to pick through. Uh, in a moment, we will be talking through this slate, answering some questions you guys had, and building a practice build to get a sense of how we might want to put this slate together. With that, let's get started. One week season. All right, Keegan, we're back. How you doing, man? I'm doing great. Ready to um, see how this week plays out and see if... All of us can win some money. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> I am uh, like starving for a win on DraftKings, man. It has been a minute, so yeah. You've had well, you've had a weird season too. I feel like I feel like you haven't really had. Um, I feel like you haven't really had a chance to put in like the time and effort that you had, say last year. Yeah, would you agree with that? Yeah, definitely. I would definitely agree with that. Actually. Um, although when I do put in the time, it feels wasted and it, it, it like becomes more frustrating when I do that. So, yeah, I mean, I think that there's the, one of the hardest things is breaking out of a, of a funk in DFS and it's especially hard in NFL DFS because you have to wait that full week to come back, uh, for that next slate. So realistically, I mean, if you were saying this, then there's definitely other people who are feeling that way as well, watching this, which by the way, if you're watching the show, if you're new here, real quickly, the concept of this show, if you're unfamiliar with it, is uh, I've been playing DFS for a decade at a relatively high level, play high dollar tournaments and um, pretty consistently profitable. Keegan has been playing DFS somewhat casually for a couple of years and striving to get better. So uh, the concept here is that Keegan gets to be a proxy for the audience, ask the questions that you guys would be asking. Uh, also ask some of the questions you guys have asked in the comments, but ask the sort of questions you guys would be asking, uh, kind of thinking through the slate in the way you guys might be thinking through it and trying to find places where he can improve his play. Um, so, yeah, I mean, this is one of the things that we, uh, it's not something that we can just sit here on a Friday show and drill into. It's more of, of like a consistent messaging type of thing and it's something we focus on in inner circle uh particularly in my wednesday winter circle podcast which is not focused on the slate ahead but it's focused on macro dfs strategy training through the lens of the week behind or the week ahead and part of what we focus on in there throughout the season is how to roll over from one week to the next and how to basically make sure that a bad weekend doesn't carry over into the next weekend because what can tend to happen is, you know, Keegan, you've heard me say this, the DFS is, is a creative endeavor. DFS is art more than science. And if you feel like you're on a losing streak, you can try to turn it into more and more science. You can turn it in more and more into like, well, what are the optimal plays and what do the numbers say, as opposed to having that willingness to fire shots out there? Because when you go to fire shots out there, it's like, oh, but what if I'm wrong on this? You know, we see last week, CD Lamb was 4%, 5% owned on a team that, you know, I've preached this since the start of last year, a team that prefers to run the ball. 
And so if you're kind of looking at the logic and the numbers, it's like, oh, well, CD Lamb has this 128 pointer this year. You could even go back to his game logs last year. He had like one legitimate tournament winner and almost almost all the rest of his games were disappointments. And the only times that they weren't were in these shootout type game environments. And so if you're kind of just looking, checking off all the logical boxes, it can be easy to be like, well, okay, this guy doesn't make sense or this guy's not a sharp play. And when you're on a winning streak, it's easier to, to and I, I haven't even been on a winning streak the last few weeks, but I've had such a hot start to the season. I'm up, up quite a bit of money and obviously typically pretty confident in my process and my approach. And, and when you're in that right headspace, you can be like, oh, well, I see this play. Let me make sure I'm overweight the field on this. Uh, I see Jahan Dotson attached to my Sam Howell. I see Sam Howell. He's going to be my highest owned quarterback. And you can kind of pull the trigger on those things. Whereas if you're in a losing streak and you're in that wrong mindset, you see those things. You're like, well, I don't want to lose again because I played. I don't want the reason that I lose another week to be because I played Sam Howell. I don't want the reason that I lose another week to be because I took a swing on CD Lamb who didn't make sense on paper. Uh, so yeah, you do have to have that willingness to, the way I always look at it is, what what you're doing this isn't speaking to you specifically keegan but just broadly the mindset here is like what you're doing is leading to losing weekends so yeah. wouldn't you rather have a losing weekend where you're taking swings on potential tournament winners and you're like well like i might have i might have struck out but i struck out swinging for a home run instead of striking out trying to take a walk um and so that that kind of shift can help a lot it can also help to play some extra slates play some showdown slates play some um, flash drafts do, you know, you've been doing the parlays, which obviously that helps. We just continue to get action out there so that it's not just the one thing that you're doing, uh, that can help as well. Any thoughts on, on that? Um, yeah, just, just one simple thought. Um, I think a lot of us tend to, uh, I think, I feel like I've said this before, but a lot of us tend to create a lot of, um, scared biases, based off one week and each week is totally different. Like we've talked about multiple times. And I think, like you said, you got to swing for the fences every time. And I've, I've learned this just overplaying, I guess for three years or so. Um, but yeah, you just have to play for first. And uh, if you lose that week, you, you can't create those um, biases on certain teams and certain players, you know? Yeah. I mean, we're, we're a lot of times what's, what we're going to get, low owned ceiling on is going to be players who are volatile. And so look at Sam Howell. Why, what was run, one of the reasons why he was so low owned in week eight, it was because he put up 10 points in week seven yeah. and he was one of my higher owned quarterbacks in week seven. And then I came right back in week eight and he was my highest owned quarterback. He was a quarter of my pool was attached to Sam Howell. Um, and so you have to have that, recognition that that the guys who I mean, there's guys who are just sharp plays right like aj brown was just a sharp play last week he was obviously a sharp play with a sharp play on paper alvin Kamara, sharp play on paper they're going to be high owned they're probably going to produce but then there's going to be the other guys who if they produce they're going to produce at a potentially high level if they miss they could miss pretty wildly and you have to be willing to take on some of those plays because those are the plays that other people typically won't be on so when they hit, they're that much more powerful. And not to say that hitting on AJ Brown and Kamara isn't important because again, you have to still like you have to have those pieces around your Sam Howell pieces so that it all works out. But you have to have some of these pieces where you're like, okay, who's the guy who 
I'm swinging for the fences and, and it's not just saying who can hit for a big game, right? We're not just saying like every week, like, Hey, Sam Howell is volatile. He can hit for a big game, but looking at the matchup, looking at the potential game environment, breaking it down that way. And then from there saying, okay, here's the guys who can hit for a big game. Some of them might actually bomb, but like the way that we end up winning is taking shots on these guys who can hit for a big game. Uh, so yeah, I mean, and, and this week is especially interesting because everything is so clumped up. Like what if, what if Seattle Baltimore ends up playing to its median outcome and it's like a, a 24 to 17 game. And what if Dallas and Philadelphia plays to its median outcome and it's a 24 to 17 game or a, a 24 to 23 game or whatever it ends up being something like that. And then all of a sudden, like those are the only two games that appear like they could shoot out. And those the players on those offenses are generally higher priced. And so all of a sudden it's like, Oh man, like there's so many different directions that that you could go to win this slate. Uh, also, what if those games shoot out, but not through the players? Everyone's on. Like current ownership projections have CD Lamb over 20%, and Brandon Cooks and Michael Gallup both under 3%, maybe both under 2%. What if the Eagles find a way to isolate CD Lamb and Brandon Cooks scores two touchdowns, or Michael Gallup scores two touchdowns? Uh, Demario Douglas currently projected as the highest owned wide receiver on the slate and then Juju Smith Schuster is is sitting down at like one or one and a half percent projected ownership would it shock us if Juju Smith Schuster gets eight targets and Demario Douglas gets six and Juju has the bigger game and so um looking for things like that that we can mix into it's like here's five really sharp plays that are going to go on this roster and then we mix in a couple plays like that where it's like you're kind of swinging for the fences there's a wider range of outcomes but if it hits, it ends up helping you in a way that can actually help you win a tournament. You know what? Here's a crazy one. This could change, but um, Chris Alave, one of the highest projected owned players, Alvin Kamara, one of the highest project, projected owned players, Michael Thomas getting pretty decent ownership. Rashid Shahid sub 2%, like week in and week out, nobody wants to play this guy in it. And this week it's one of those things of, well, he hit for 27 points last week. So like, I don't want to chase those points and he probably won't hit for a big game again. And yet he's done it, what, three times already this year? Like, the role is there. It's going to keep happening this season. I am so glad, like you said, you made all those points because um, it really reinforced um, my thought process uh, this morning and, and last night. Um, some of the things I was actually going to talk about was, you know, could the the Eagles-Dallas game not play out to what everyone expects? Could the, the Ravens-Seattle game not play out as everyone expects? And that was going to be one of the things I was going to talk about. And then also I wanted to talk about the Saints game and not focus on Chris Olave because actually one of my um, practice builds I was going to build was um, Carr, Kamara, and Rashid Shahid. That was the the core, the basis around it. And um, it's just really cool hearing you say that. And then one more point that I was going to make up was um, uh, Devonta Smith. Could he be the one who um, also gets a score instead of A.J. Brown? Yeah. Yeah. And I, well, I'll get to Devontae Smith here in just a moment. Let's first talk about these game environments, right? We're on this week where there's so little to, to like on the slate. And so there's only two games with shootout potential, which makes us all look at those two games. But we also have to recognize that. So if you're on one week season, you see that over here, we have, this is the implied team totals based on the over under and the spread in the game. These update automatically throughout the week. Uh, you see that this Cowboys and Eagles game, the implied total is 22 to 25. Like, and that means that 50% of the time Vegas expects 
this game to finish under this type of game environment. So 50% of the time, it could be more like a 24 to 20 type of game. And at the attached price tags, that's probably not winning you tournaments. Up here, the Ravens and the Seahawks, you've got 25 to 19. And half the time, Vegas would expect it to finish under that type of score. And so it can be easy on a week like this to say, uh, well, these are the best games on this slate. And so these are the games you have to gravitate toward. And yet, like there's still this clear pathway to these games underwhelming and something else being more attractive. And on a week like this, this is where we typically see like the random game with low score, with uh, low priced players that ends up being like a 30 to 27 game. It's not like a massive shootout, but it outproduces the popular games and they're cheap players. So it ends up having that much more value when it happens. Those end up being, this is the type of week where those things end up being really valuable. So that's similar to the Devontae Smith type of situation. What I've said with Devontae Smith is when you're rostering Devontae Smith, he has this wide range of outcomes. He's going to miss way more often than most of the guys priced around him. And when he hits, he's typically hitting for like 25 to 28 points. Mm -hmm. And it's like, you can find 30 pointers in the 5k price range. You can find 30 pointers in the 6k price range. You can find high like bankable 30 pointers in the 7k and 8k price range so on a typical week why play Devonte smith when like his good game is just going to match the other good games and his misses are going to be more frequent and more dramatic so it's like when he hits he it doesn't the, the fact that he's low owned doesn't typically so i'm going to get to this in a moment but doesn't typically help you because you're saying yeah he hit he's low owned but i still just got the raw score that a lot of other people are getting at this position. And when he misses, he's hurting your roster. Um, so the times to go to a player like that at that price tag is either when you look at it and you're like, oh, but he can have 40 points, right? He could post a true had to have a type of game or a slate like this where you say, well, like if, if Devontae Smith is hitting, that means AJ Brown isn't hitting more than likely, right? So that marks AJ Brown off the list. Uh, Cooper Cup playing with Brett Rippon more than likely. So uh, can Devontae Smith outscore Cooper Cup with a 30-pointer? Yeah, he probably can. Uh, CeeDee Lamb, obviously it's it's easy to look at this slate and be like, I don't see how CeeDee Lamb could possibly miss. And yet we play out the slate 100 times. More than half those times, he's going to score like 20, 22 points, 18 points, 17 points, right? Like he's not going to score 30 every time. And so let's say that CeeDee Lamb scores 17. Then you've got uh, Devontae Adams against a Giants defense that has been playing well lately. Aiden O'Connell under center. Like you go on down the list and all of a sudden you realize, like this could be the type of week where none of these high price guys score 30. And then if Devontae Smith does, then he becomes valuable. So yeah, this is the type of week where a guy like Devontae Smith has greater potential to be valuable than normal. Um, and then you can also kind of look at guys like, like DK Metcalf, who I never play, but DK Metcalf, who's coming in at like 4% ownership projections right now, primarily because this 6,900 price tag isn't attractive. But if he were 6,100, then everyone would be like, oh man, DK Metcalf's so underpriced, you got to play him. Um, and what we're really hunting down is not salary multipliers when it's all said and done. We're hunting down the most raw points we can get. So if everyone would think he's a good play at 6,100, then shouldn't we say, hey, let me pay a little bit more and get this guy because now he's low owned and there is an opportunity for him to be a big, like a good play in this game environment. So there's a lot of different ways that we can go this week. Um, also got a report this morning that looks like Deshaun Watson is on track to start this week, um, which elevates the floor and ceiling for a guy like Amari Cooper. But after the last time Deshaun Watson played and played those handful of snaps, 
left the game, people are going to have a tendency to shy away from that type of spot. Uh, Jordan Addison, another one. They, you know, we talked yesterday. DraftKings proactively dropped TJ Hawkinson's price down to 5,200. They did not drop Jordan Addison's price. So TJ Hawkinson coming in with high ownership projections, Jordan Addison coming in with low ownership projections. And yet, like if Jordan Addison, if they dropped him down to 4,900, then people would be like, ah, it's worth taking a swing here, right? So just looking for spots like that where we can take the price tags off and just think about raw production. There's just a lot on a slate like this where things are so clumped up together that it doesn't take that much for the chalk to fail. Uh, or like a lot of the chalk is probably going to score in like, the, the 3x salary multiplier type range because it's just that type of week. So if you can kind of find these non-chalky plays who go for 4x, 4.5x, 5x, um, yeah, you you gain so much edge on a week like this. Speaking of, uh, I like that Carr and Camara call. Uh, one of the things I think the people have missed is that the Bears have actually, they're, they're not good in the secondary, but they've generally held down wide receivers. Mike Evans had 171 yard game, but I think it's nobody since then has put up like more than 86 yards against this defense. Bears also very quietly have one of the top run defenses in the NFL, and they are 32nd, I believe it's 32nd in DVOA against running backs through the air. So is this the, the sort of spot that sets up well for targets to be filtered to Alvin Kamara? And Kamara will be popular. Carr will be popular. Alave will be popular. Most of the people who play Carr will play him with Alave. Uh, whereas really these this Carr type, Carr plus Camara, I mean, it would have kept you on a 180-point pace back-to-back weeks, Carr plus Camara. So um, that's sort of spot where it's like, hey, this is, you're still betting on the same things everyone's betting on, but you're betting on it in the most intelligent way and it'll be the lower owned way. So uh, yeah, this is just kind of a fun week where we can find little edges like that and do little things differently than the field. Uh, and potentially gain big edges as a result. Sweet. Um, with all of that being said, there are a few questions in the comments. Cool, cool. This. Let's get to those. So Craig Jackson wants to know, what are your thoughts on playing both Colts running backs against this Panthers run D in tournaments? If I put a running back in the flex. I mean, you wouldn't even have to put a running back in the flex to do it. Um I thought about it. The, the combined score from this backfield, um, I have it in my notes from last week, I think, but the combined score from this backfield hasn't really gone above like 32 points. So you're probably capping your upside. I've done the double running back once ever, and it was like 2017, and it was like a week 12 type situation where pricing was super tight. And there were two Browns running backs who were cheap splitting the workload. And they were like, I mean, like really cheap. They were like 5K and 4.4K or something like that. So it was kind of like paying a Christian McCaffrey price tag and getting both these spots covered and, and then saying, well, like they can combine for 30 to 40 points. They can combine for that Christian McCaffrey type score. Whereas Moss and Jonathan Taylor, you're paying such, you're paying like 12K between the two guys. And so, you know, even if they get you 30 to 35 points, that's keeping you on like a sub 150 point pace. So that one's harder to do. I do think that the, like I've, I'll say it like this. I've played around with the thought this week. I've, I've explored that thought this week. So I think it's like a sharp avenue to explore. And I don't want to tell anyone like, no, don't do that because that's, that tends to be the time when it actually ends up hitting. Right. Um, but I also want to say 
there can be this, if you're getting into this creative mindset with GFS of like, how can we put this puzzle together? There can be a tendency to find a unique angle. And then because it's unique to get so married to it that you end up doing it. Where you're like, oh, this is sharp. Nobody's going to be doing this. And so let me put this on all my rosters. Whereas realistically, what we should be doing is just finding tons of unique angles throughout the week. And you start going down that path and you, you get like a few steps down one path, a few steps down another, and you start finding, okay, here's 20 unique angle, angles I've found. And here's the three or four that as I get deeper down the path, I start realizing more and more like, oh, this really is sharp. And like, this is better than the other unique angles. So that's a uni unique angle that's interesting to explore. It's not one that I will be attacking this week, but uh, I think it's it's not one that that's like a clear stay away because there is the outside shot that maybe they combine for 40 points. Uh, I do think it's interesting that Jonathan Taylor's, I, mean, I love Jonathan Taylor this week, but coming in with high ownership projections, Zach Moss coming in with sub 2% ownership projections as of Friday. So that's the sort of spot where like, hey, Zach Moss probably getting 40% of the snaps, Taylor 60%, but we've seen Zach Moss do it. We, we could see him do it again. And then he ended up putting up the big score. And there's a lot of that this week. Like we talked, I think we talked yesterday, Odell Beckham has more targets than Zay Flowers back-to-back -back weeks. Doesn't show up in the box score from week eight because three of them were uh, defensive pass interference. So it shows four targets, but it was really seven targets. Back-to-back -back weeks, more targets than Zay Flowers. Uh, squeaky wheel narrative where he's been talking about his role in this offense and uh, he's disappointed with his role in this offense. And yet they're trying to get him the ball, right? Seven targets back-to-back -back games. So these are the types of things where like everybody's on Zay Flowers, nobody's on Odell Beckham. Uh, there's just a lot of pieces like that this week where like is Zay Flowers going to put up a 30 pointer and bury you for not playing him possibly, but probably not given his track record on the season. And so you can kind of find these spots where it's like, okay, if he puts up 15, but then somebody else puts up 20, 22 for a lower price tag uh, on that same offense. So yeah, I mean, this is a fun week where there are a lot of unique angles we can play around with um from a leverage standpoint of this guy's popular this other guy on his team is unpopular and not a ton separates them so that's more how i'm looking at the colts backfield but uh definitely have explored that double colts backfield thought this week cool it's it's a cool thing to know that this guy and you are sharing the same thought you uh when you said oh. craig was it craig reynolds you said it as like craig jackson. craig jackson you said it skeptically as if it was not his real name. You were like Craig Jackson. <laughs> There's numbers, so I try not to like. I'm trying to like read it. Oh, okay. <laughs> I really like, yeah. The end of their name. yeah, we don't believe you, Craig Jackson. <laughs> uh, we got like uh, two more. Um, love the content. Where do you find the statistics on the rate teams throw versus defenses? Joe McKenzie. Uh, the rate teams throw versus defenses, uh, Google opponent pass play rate. Um, let me see the site that I use. Uh, the site that I use is teamrankings.com. And teamrankings.com has like team rankings for everything. Opponent completions per game, opponent incompletion per game, opponent completion percentage, opponent passing yards per game, opponent pass play rate, um, the, on down the list. But what I always do is, I mean, all of these are bookmarked on my end, but you can, if you Google opponent pass play rate, teamrankings.com is the first one that comes up. I say I have all these bookmarked because I don't actually know even the navigation on this site of how to find everything because I've had these bookmarked for years from like Googling opponent pass play rate and that shows up. Um, also probably um, more importantly, let me go ahead and pull up the scroll. 
and I'll share this for anybody watching. Uh, more importantly, you can look up pass rate over expectation against the defense right here in the workbook in the scroll. So if you're not familiar with the scroll, uh, this is you go to the NFL tab on the site and just click the scroll. And as you'll see, these are like all of our late week articles. So you can jump from article to article. Most of this populates Friday night, Saturday morning. So uh, you can jump from article to article, or you can just scroll through everything. But all of our late week content is in one place. The workbook is one of the coolest pieces created in DFS. Uh, a lot of high dollar players use this as kind of a core research. This is from Majestic, really sharp researcher. Uh, and if you go to uh, quarterback, the quarterback tab, you can find defense pass rate over expectation. So uh, I typically cite just opponent pass play rate, which tells you, oh, this team, you know, opponents throw the ball against Philadelphia 71% of the time. You could then Google team pass play rate and see that no team in the NFL throws the ball 71% of the time. So as I mentioned, the average opponent against Philadelphia would have the highest pass play rate in the NFL. Uh, but you can also look at pass rate over expectation, which takes away, it's not just raw pass play rate, but based on what's expected in game environment situations, how often are teams throwing against these teams? So we see here, uh, you know, Philadelphia, that teams against Philadelphia throw the ball 7.71% higher than expectation. But then we also look at Tampa. Tampa faces a lower total pass play rate, but an even higher expected pass play uh, pass rate over expectation. So in terms of if the game flows were exactly the same in a Tampa game and a Philadelphia game, teams would even th throw the ball even more against Tampa. So uh, something like that can stand out to us where Tampa is, I think, like the sixth highest opponent pass play rate. But then you look here and you say, oh, look, pass rate over expectation against them is even higher than against Philadelphia. Uh, and then you look kind of through the rest of these numbers, right? Like nothing else is remotely close to the 7.7%, 7.99%. Uh, everything else, you know, 2% and 2%, 1%, 1 1.4%, right? So like, look at Houston, look at um, Dallas, and you're like, okay, these are two teams that should be expected to throw the ball quite a bit this week because in this matchup, that's what teams do. Uh, similarly, you can see against Cleveland, teams just don't try to attack this team through the air, negative 7%. So uh, pass rate over expectation is kind of a step up from – pass play rate. And you can find actually the only place I know to find uh, opponent pass rate over expectation is in the workbook. I'm sure it's in other places because Majestic pulled all, all this information from different places. But um, but yeah, uh, easy place to find everything. The workbook is one of these where you can look at it and be like, I don't even know what to do with this, too much information. But if you actually start digging into it, uh, literally has everything you could possibly need. I mean, you can find um, you can find like coverage tendencies in terms of man versus zone you can find outside wide receiver data slot wide receiver data uh let me see where the coverage defensive coverage so how often teams are in man versus how often they're in zone uh, how these players perform these teams perform versus man and zone so uh yeah if you don't use the workbook it's um an incredible resource for like finding everything you need in one place but uh teamrankings.com has opponent pass play rate uh, use the workbook for opponent pass rate over expectation. Wow. That is a lot of um, information in that workbook. Yeah, it's re it's ridiculous. And it's one of those, uh, there's one player, Magico, who's a high dollar uh, DFS player. You'll If you search high dollar contests, uh, I think his avatar is just like a, a plain yellow avatar. And um, it's he's like constantly near the tops of, high dollar tournaments week in and week out. Uh, he actually did some content for 
OWS a couple of years ago, and then his businesses were requiring too much of his attention. So he, he had to step back from that. But uh, the workbook is like the one thing that he uses every week. And he just uses that to find basically who are the sharpest plays on the slate. And that's how he attacks single entry high dollar tournaments, like very little strategy, very little game theory, just like who are the sharpest players on the slate. And he uses the workbook to come up with his answers for that every week. So um, yeah, I mean, that one piece alone, it's free on OWS. So you don't even have to have a membership to OWS to use that. Um, yeah, I mean, the workbook is, is pretty incredible. And if you start spending, you spend a couple hours in there every week, you're gonna have like so much more information than you would otherwise. Yeah, definitely. A lot of um, outside knowledge brought into one place. It's pretty nice. Yep, love it. You guys should subscribe. <laughs> <laughs> um, last thing, not really like football related. This is more JM related. We've talked about this several times. Um, but someone said, JM, do you fly to a different state every week just to enter all contests? <laughs> like three emojis <laughs> uh, i do yeah i fly so um we you can no longer do DraftKings in oregon my biggest edge just because it's where i've put in the most time and attention and thought and focus over the years my biggest edge is the DraftKings main slate and uh obviously providing content most people want DraftKings content um so i want to make sure that i'm sharp on the main slate don't want to put in all that time just to produce content and then go play on fanduel right so uh, can't enter contests from Oregon. I can edit entries from Oregon. So most weeks on Tuesday, this week it was Wednesday because Halloween was Tuesday, but most weeks on Tuesday, I leave the house at about, uh, the flight schedules changed recently, but I leave the house about 10 a.m., get home about 5 p.m., uh, fly to Oakland, have like a 30-minute layover, get off, um, get off the plane, reserve my entries, grab a Red Bull, uh, sometimes grab a bite to eat, hop back on the plane, fly back home. So uh, Tuesday is usually my day to listen to press conferences all day. So rather than doing that, I mean, it would be nice to do that. Like I could hang out in the yard and do that while the kids play. Right. Like, but, uh, rather than doing it in my office, I just do it on the go. I'm in the house all week outside of Saturdays with the family. So I don't really mind. Uh, I actually kind of enjoy it most weeks, uh, getting out of the house, fly to Oakland, reserve my entries, fly back. Um, next week, no, two weeks from now, I think it's two weeks from now we fly to Oklahoma for Thanksgiving slash Christmas uh, with my family. Uh, my family's not in Oklahoma, but we're doing something in Missouri this year for Thanksgiving. And then I'm doing Christmas with my wife's side of the family, which is Keegan's family on um, like a couple weeks after that. So I'll be in uh, Oklahoma and Missouri for two and a half weeks, but it overlaps with four NFL weeks. So those, those four weeks, I don't have to fly out of state and actually kind of buy myself an extra day in the week. But uh that was, yeah, more information than you guys needed and <laughs> it's not related to this week's slate, but I'm sure some of you find it interesting. Um, and the rest of you, you know, you got to stick around for story time, I guess. But uh, yeah. Yeah. Keegan, what are we going to do? Are we going to do, are we going to sit in the same room together to do the show? And uh, yes. Yes. yeah, <laughs> put our computers side by side <laughs> like, and lean into the microphone. <laughs> we or can we just do one mic. <laughs> one screen. We can just do one screen and just have it farther yeah. away. And we'll just sit next to yeah. each other. Um, yeah. So uh, that's my story. But um, yeah, I've got, I think I have, I've got how many flights left? I've only got three flights left this year um, because we've got these four weeks that, that are covered from holiday travel. And then I don't typically play Christmas week or uh, week 18. So 
Um, yeah, I've got I've got eight weeks of play left um, already flown out for this week. Four weeks are covered with that holiday travel. So yeah, I've got three flights left this year, um, which is about all I have left in me before I'll be pooped out on yeah. flying to Oakland for the day. Um, you know what sucks is the flight there is the flight there is never full, and I always have like the front row where you get the extra leg room because uh, I fly Southwest. You just pick your seat, right? I always have the front row and then open middle seat. So there's just like tons of space. And then on the flight home, when I'm already like, ah, I'm ready to get home. Like yeah. that's like a continuing flight from somewhere. So there's already a bunch of seats taken. Yeah. And then uh, it's like a connecting flight for other people. So by the time I check in at 24 hours before the flight, like I'm B something. So I'm always like sitting either at the back of the plane, which then you gotta wait forever to get off, uh, yeah. at the back of the plane in like a aisle seat, or I'm sitting in like a middle seat at the front of the plane. So yeah, flight home always sucks, but- um, Middle seat sucks, man. Middle seat sucks, uh, yeah, but it is what it is. It does. <laughs> well, all right, let's 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 build a lineup real quick and see if we can- All right, I like it. Yeah, we've got, um, I got my show with Pete in seven, uh, well, not 17 minutes, but we gotta be off in 17 minutes. So we'll um, we'll get a lineup and let's, uh, let's do this today. Let's- um, Try to focus less on like, because this week it's kind of easy to see who the sharpest plays are. Like yeah. it doesn't require a ton of time, content, whatever. But let's kind of think through like, what are some of the leverage angles that we can play on this week? Because this is the good week for that type of thinking of like, oh, this isn't as sharp as this other play, but it's only a little bit less sharp. And we can get a sense of how much of that to put on a roster, how much to put like just straight up sharp plays onto a roster. Um, so yeah, with that, where do you want to start? You want to start with the um, the car, Camara, Shahid? Yeah, that's what stack. I was thinking. But um, if you want to go a different direction, then we totally can. No, yeah, I, I like that. And I like it because it does, it feeds into this conversation of not just taking, and on this is a great one too, because on paper, the, all right, so Alave has been in this funk. He's described it as a slump, I believe. Um, things are just not coming together for Alave this year. But also, this is a guy who has five touchdowns in his career so far. Not to say that he's going to remain that type of player, but it's not like we've ever seen like the monster two touchdowns. Like, we've never seen an A.J. Brown or Devontae Adams type game out of Chris Alave. Um, and so on a week when he's popular against a defense that hasn't allowed a wide receiver to top 100 yards in well over a month, um, like this is the type of week when he's he's popular to be like, okay, well, let's play. Yes, can he hit? Yes. Do I want to play him? Yeah, like he's attractive to me on paper, but also he's not as attractive as the ownership is going to imply. The ownership is so high because the slate is so thin. So what are the other ways that things could play out? Um, so yeah, this is this is plays right into that conversation where some people are going to play car, but most of that car exposure is going to be car plus Alave. And we're going to see very little car plus Camara, and then you throw in Shahid. Um, and we have this, this story where it's like, man, this could be a story of how Olave ends up missing and scoring 14 DraftKings points. And we get the spillover of all those points to these other guys. So, uh, yeah, I like the starting point quite a bit. I think it's a sharp way to go. So fields didn't practice, uh, Thursday. Do we, is he like most likely not going to play? Yeah. Yeah. Fields is out. It's Bajent okay. again. Um, okay. so that's also, you know, something to think about is, is, in New Orleans, in the Dome, this is probably a game that the Saints control uh, at the same time. Tough to run on the Bears, so you kind of probably control it through uh, shorter passes to Kamara. And then what's cool about Shahid is we've actually seen it twice. Well, we've seen it once. We've seen it twice this year where the 
where Derek Carr passed for 300 yards. It happened week one, and then it happened last week. He passed for 300 yards, but that pass that got him over 300 yards was a bomb when the Saints were running out the clock and trying to like close out the game. And so the, the, the Saints have this willingness to say, all right, you guys are expecting us to run. Uh, or, or we saw it last week with, uh, or was it two weeks ago, where I think it was two weeks ago with the Giants, but some, there was some team that like, it was a third and three and they called uh, like a short area pass that got tipped in the air and intercepted. And it's like, well, it's not bad to pass the ball there because the defense is expecting to run. But if you're throwing it in the short areas, the defense is all clogged up there too, right? And they can bat that pass in the air, knock it down, intercept it, whatever. And so the Saints, they've had a, these two games where they're running out the clock and they're like, it's third down and short and the defense expects them to maybe run it or throw it short. So they're like, dude, we're going to just throw it deep. Um, week one, they threw it to Alave deep. Week eight, they threw it to Shahid deep in that situation. Um, and so basically what I'm saying is, the, the Saints have this willingness to still be aggressive if they're in control of a game. And so just because they'll probably control this game doesn't mean that Shahid can't hit, right? They're still going to take their downfield shots to Shahid in this spot. And um, so, yeah, so and, yet, and yet passing volume is going to be a little bit lower. And so the, the expensive guy in a lobby, and I can see, like, looking at Shahid's price, I can see why he's coming in with low ownership. Nobody wants to pay 4500 for a guy who sees, like, three to four targets. And yet, like if we take the price tags off, as we've been saying, and we just say like, yeah, but who can hit? Well, he could hit and take away points from Olave. So he's not super sharp on paper, but in terms of the leverage that he provides, uh, he makes a lot of sense. So with this starting point where we're taking, we're kind of paying up for Shahid more than he really should cost with a, a volatile sort of role. Uh, one of the things I'd want to do next is take like a high confidence piece next, because we don't need like the wide range of outcomes guys across a roster. So um, for me, one of the highest confidence pieces this week is Jonathan Taylor. So I, I wouldn't mind going there next. Or if you have a high confidence piece you'd like to throw in here, we could do that. Um, no, I'm totally fine with Jonathan Taylor. What, uh, what is your opinion on putting Hawkinson in this um, lineup solely because we can afford it? Yeah, absolutely. And uh, I, would, I would put Hawkinson, you know, Hawkinson's another guy who he's going to be popular and his range of outcomes is a lot broader than the the ownership is going to indicate because um, you've got Jaron Hall starting. And it, honestly, it might not be Jaron Hall, right? Like Josh Dobbs was able to pick up the Tennessee playbook quickly last year. He was able to pick up the Arizona playbook quickly this year. Uh, we saw it with Baker Mayfield last year with the Rams. It's rare that a quarterback can pick up the playbook in a week, step in and start. And yet the Vikings would probably prefer Dobbs over Jaron Hall um, but either way, like it's not a great setup for TJ Hawkinson. And because of the state of this slate, he's going to be popular. Yeah. But we have this starting point where we can kind of take one of the guys who were like, where it's like, yeah, we don't need to get different at every position. Um, so we can kind of ch choose Jonathan Taylor, TJ Hawkinson as our high confidence kind of go with the flow type pieces. And then I would, at this point, I would kind of look for, you know, we can go defense just to, to get a sense of salary, but I would also then look for like, what's one more leverage piece that we could play playing off of a high owned guy that could fail because somebody else could end up hitting. So I would um, like to go Patriots. If we're going to do that, then um, Patriots wide receivers and move yeah. off to Mario Douglas. Yeah. 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 I think that's it. that one. Um, Cowboys receivers who, again, obviously CD lamb is the alpha CD lamb is the likeliest to hit, but it could easily go a different direction. Uh, Patriots, you're talking about like 
super high confidence in an offense that nobody ever wants to play in a sixth round rookie who's five foot eight and like 110 pounds. Um, and it's like, everyone wants to play Demario Douglas. Is he the sharpest on paper play? Absolutely. But couldn't things go a very different direction? So um, yeah. Uh, so Parker's out. Bourne is out. Uh, so that leaves us with Juju, Jalen Rager, and Demario Douglas as probably the starting three with some Taekwon Thornton and Kayshawn Booty mixed in. Uh, Booty's only been active once in week one, has no targets. He's a rookie. Uh, Taekwon Thornton probably not getting major run this week. Um, Jalen Rager, they've said positive things about him. Former first-round pick, total bust, bounced around the league since then, but uh, unlikely to draw a ton of targets. So I would kind of look at like Juju and Demario – and then maybe the question of like, oh, or what if they go more two tight end sets and get, get those guys involved? But we already have tight end covered. So I think that Juju is the clearest leverage off of um, off to Mario Douglas. And you kind of look at look at his game logs and you're like, oh, yeah, but there's no way that he ends up having a good game, which is what you kind of want in a player like this. Because, um, you know, he had this kind of bigger role at the start of the season and then you're like, oh, yeah, but he didn't really get any yards. And then the role shrunk after that. And you got hurt. Then the role shrunk. But you're like, Demario Douglas isn't getting any yards either, right? So why is the confidence so much higher in him than in Juju? Um, a lot of it's narrative. And uh, to, to be clear, Demario Douglas is a much more exciting player, exciting with the ball in his hands. He has speed. Uh, he can avoid tackles. But so can Rondell Moore. Um, so can LaVisca Chenault. So can Elijah Moore. And those guys don't ever top like seven, eight, nine points. So, um, yeah, I think that I think that this is an interesting way to go is throwing Juju in there and, and saying, what if he gets all the points and Demario Douglas does not? Sweet. Uh, let's get defense for the sense of salary. Um, dun, 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 dun. What about the Texans defense? Yeah, Texans are interesting. Uh, you know, I only have uh, with so many backup quarterbacks playing this week, I'm kind of focused on those, but I'm also like, I'm also like, I'm, there's very few defenses that I would argue against, I guess is how I'll say it. So okay. Texans, not one that stands out to me on paper, but um, because, you know, the, the Giants are playing Aiden O'Connell and the Saints are playing Tyson Bagent, Bagent and the Packers are playing Brett Rippon and um, on down the list, right, of, of backup quarterbacks who are starting. But uh, yeah, I mean, no argument against the Texans. Okay, cool. Um, well, Packers are cheaper, so cool. <laughs> let's do Packers. All right, we can throw in the Packers. Um, so yeah, I mean, now, now we have the salary to do something fun here where we can either go with like a high-priced guy and then see what we have left. Um, and high-priced guy, we can also pull this leverage button too. We could say um, everybody's on A.J. Brown and C.D. Lamb. Thielen is the next guy, the next most popular guy. Devontae Adams got 13 targets last time Aiden O'Connell started, and we're not terrified of the Giants' pass defense. So uh, Devontae Adams is an interesting way to get different. Cooper Cup, if we weren't playing the Packers' defense and if you wanted to have big balls and play Cooper Cup with Brett Rippon, would be another way to get different. Uh, or we could say, like, well, we've done enough different so far. We can put in the, whoever we like the most. We could put in CeeDee Lamb uh, and then, you know, go different with our final spot. So, um yeah, how do you how do you want to and, and you know we could also go Devontae Smith and DK Metcalf, you know, if we wanted to get really different and just grab a ton of ceiling on this roster. And that'd be crazy different. I like that one, honestly. Cool. Yeah, and and 
as always, we want to go through and say like, what's the ceiling on the roster, but we've got Kamara can score 30. Jonathan Taylor can score 30. Rashid Shahid probably won't, but can score 25 plus. Uh, Juju can score 20. Devontae Smith can score 35 to 40 if everything came together. Hawkinson can score 20 plus. DK Metcalf can score 35 to 40 if everything comes together. Uh, and then the Packers defense. We don't have a, we're not building around the Eagles Cowboys game. We're not building around the Seahawks Ravens game, but we have pieces from both games where we're saying, you know, if this game, if these games sh maybe don't shoot out to where you had to have the game, but because they're two good teams and both teams are going to be aggressive on offense, that either of these guys could hit without the game environment being like a total had to have it type game environment. Uh, it's a, it's a story that makes sense is what I'm saying. And you can access a lot of ceiling here. So um, yeah, super unique roster, uncomfortable roster, but that's kind of what I want to be pushing toward this week is how many, you know, how unique can I get? And, and can I get a little bit uncomfortable in some spots? And again, if you're watching this, this is Friday morning when we're recording this and this is not us saying these are the plays we're on this week. This is us talking about how we want the strategy of how we want to attack this week and what, what we want to be thinking about and some of the ways that we can go about those things. So um, yeah, I mean, I like, I like approaches like this, this week and that's kind of what I have. Keegan, any, any final thoughts from you? Um, it's, it's just cool to see what we can build around the core of Derek Carr, Alvin Kamara, Rashid Shahid, like stack and how many different ways we can go as well. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Um, cool. Then, yeah, uh, we are going to get out of here as always. Thanks for hanging out. Uh, showed you the workbook on the site. Uh, lots of other things on the site that are free to non-subscribers. So check that out. Grab a one-week pass. Get inside and see what everything is all about. Uh, with that, we will see you on one-week season throughout the weekend. And we will see you at the top of the leaderboards in week nine.